Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Every week we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand in hand with baking for those we love. This week we're reviewing Prince Harry's beloved caramel banana cake and talking about his new wife's slightly healthier way to treat herself. Bonus, it's gluten-free. Finally, we'll discuss the art of mise en place and how being your own sous chef can make baking easier and more fun. So put the kettle on and get ready for some sweet talk. Andrea, we are nearing the end of our royal month of May with this episode, episode 77, and we wanted to just pause and have a celebration of our own because we recently reached our 75th anniversary, which is an incredible milestone, our 75th episode. And at around the same time, we reached an enormous number of all-time downloads, which is 25,000. Can you believe this? I know it's so exciting to think that so many people are out there listening to Preheat It. It just makes me giddy to think about it. Absolutely. And we love, we've had listeners from the very first episode back in November 2016, and we continue to have more listeners every day. And I think you were talking about some of the new ones that you've been seeing crop up on Facebook. Yes, I know not everyone is on Facebook, but for those of you who are, please do check out our Facebook group, Preheated. It's so much fun, and people are really great about posting what they're up to. We have some new listeners who have discovered us in the last couple of months, and specifically I'm thinking about Bridget and Chris, who have told us that they're binging on Preheated and having a really good time. (laughs) I also wanted to point out uh, the great amount of contribution from our international listeners, and specifically Scotia recently posted some seasonal produce fee joa i think i'm saying that correctly and <laughs> very good uh coconut and fijoa loaf which is just right up the preheaters alley you know we love our loaf cakes and our tea breads and that was something i had never heard of and if she hadn't posted that i don't know that i ever would have so good job scotia introducing us to something new yes she was posting from australia i believe I think so, yeah. Yes, and of course, her seasons are a little different down in that hemisphere, so she is entering fall. So I'm sure this is maybe a late summer fall produce for her. That's right. Yeah, and a good good reminder for me, I know I will slip up quite often, so I'm just going to apologize here in advance and hope that our international listeners will understand. I'm sure I'm going to say things about, like, we're heading into summer and it's so warm and here it is June and we're trying to cool down. And I know that's not true for everyone, but I'm just speaking from my little corner of the United States up in the Pacific Northwest. That's right. And you know, Andrea, another way that people can connect with the show, every week on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, we post something called a show sheet. And you'll hear us reference that throughout the episodes. You know, I'll put that on the show sheet or I'll throw a link on the show sheet. And what that is, is a specific page on the website that corresponds to the episode number. So for example, this day's episode would be episode 77. And it will have not a transcription, but a very, we like to think, thorough review of the episode and it will talk you through that if you weren't able to listen if you want a refresher it's a nice little synopsis of the episode and it has all of the links so if Andrea talks about a book or if I talk about a 
vacation destination, something like that, that's a good resource for you as well. On to our latest review. Last week, we introduced Prince Harry's favorite banana caramel cake. It is from The Royal Chef at Home by Darren McGrady, who, by the way, is also one of our latest Instagram followers. Oh, welcome, chef. <laughs> yes. You can check us out on Instagram at Preheated Pod. We're on Twitter as well if you like those social media streams. This is also, I think, a momentous occasion in that this is the first time we have done two recipes from the same author in one month. Don't you think, Stefan? I do. That is a designation to wear with pride. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the Royal Chef at Home, the cookbook these are coming from. Yeah, way to go. So he probably takes his Royal Chef designation with pride, but this is equally, I think, <laughs> as important. We did his chocolate biscuit cake, the Queen's favorite cake, back in episode 75. We introduced that, and now we're doing Prince Harry's favorite, which is a caramel banana cake. Now, this cake reminded me very much of a traditional sort of banana bread or banana loaf. The cake is very straightforward and um, quite moist, I thought, and then a little bit different in that it has a frosting on top. So Stefan, why don't you talk a little bit about how this particular recipe worked out for you? The one thing that was giving me some pause going in, a little bit of trepidation, was that it has a caramel icing. And as loyal listeners will know, over the past months of episodes, when there's been an encounter with caramel, I have come out on the losing end of that battle. <laughs> so it was a bit of a nemesis for me, but I am delighted to say that this cake worked in every possible way for me. It was easy. It was delicious. It was quick. That frosting just adds a wonderful, wonderful flavor. I also found that to be easy and quick. Andrea, this was a A-plus as far as I'm concerned. I am completely on board with Prince Harry on this one. How about you? I had a very good, very similar experience. Um, I thought it was easy to make. I liked how moist it was, much more moist in my mind than regular banana bread. And I don't know if that's because of the sour cream. It has a full three-quarter cup of sour cream in the cake, which is not something I right. would normally put in my banana bread. Um, the frosting I was a little nervous about as well. I think I mentioned last week I was kind of nervous about throwing sour cream into a, a hot liquid and then bringing it to a boil, but there was absolutely right. no problem. I thought that frosting was amazing. Oh, I know it. I know it. I had no issues at all. Caramel might not be the word I would use, not to disagree with, with mm -hmm. the prince here, but <laughs> I think, have you ever had like a brown butter icing? That's yes. more what it reminded me of. It yes. was like a brown butter mm. icing. I think you're right on there. You know, I'm realizing as we're talking to, we're interchanging the words frosting and icing. Have you noticed that? Yes. What Do does you, that mean? Well, <laughs> is that I, all right? <laughs> I know. I I don't know what it means. I'm having. I'm sort of hesitating because I'm thinking to myself. I wonder if there is a distinct difference in my head. Frosting is fluffy and thick, and icing is more thin and a drizzle. Mm. But I'm realizing I use the two words interchangeably. But in this particular cake, I would call this a frosting. It was thick. It had a very nice layer on top of the cake. He does recommend making this in a sheet pan tray, 9 half by 13. Here's the crazy thing. I realized I don't have a sheet pan that size. 
And that's the only one I can use now because it's the one that fits in my small oven. Aha. So maybe that's a, a UK standard. Yeah. I pulled out my sheet pans and what I have is the 18 by 13. That's what I use all the time. That's the you yeah. know sort of full-size jelly roll pan. Right. And then I have an 11 by, it was either 11 by 13 or 11 by 15. I can't remember. So I used what I think of as my brownie pan. It's kind of a... It's closer to 9 by 13. It's actually more like 9 by 11, but it worked out just fine. Right. And the only issue I had with this recipe, Andrea, using that 9 and a half by 13, and listeners know I have a convection oven here in England, and so I used a 175 fan oven, which loosely translates to 350 degrees um, Fahrenheit. But Darren says to cook this for 40 minutes. Mine was done beautifully at 20. Did you have a similar issue with the timing on this, Andrea? I was somewhat similar. Now, I was using a, a, a full pan, not a sheet tray. Uh, so I think mine was thicker than what he intended. And so I was still watching it very carefully. And I checked it at 20 minutes. It was still jiggly, very jiggly in the middle. And then I checked it at 30 minutes. And I it passed the crumb test. It wasn't jiggling at all. It sprung back when I put my finger on it and touched it. It was golden brown. So I pulled it at 30 minutes. Okay, so just a good tip there to listeners, maybe start checking at 20 and keep a close eye on that because neither one of us cooked it for the 40 minutes uh, specified in this recipe. That's true. You know what else I liked that he did on this is the way it was cut into fingers instead of squares. Oh, yes, fingers. That's such an English thing to say. It was really fun. So I took this to a event that had a lot of kids at it. I had a plate of this caramel banana cake. I had a plate of the brownies. And I was in my head kind of running a little competition. But alas, there was nothing left over on either plate. So I have to say, I think people liked them both. <laughs> yes, this was a huge hit in my house. The banana flavor was very strong and delicious. I think that flavor combination, I can see why this is his favorite cake, absolutely. It felt like a dressed up banana bread, I guess, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit on the moister side, but the addition of that frosting just made it so special. This was gone in a day. I had no one to give it mm-hmm. to because it all went to my family very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And um, I did save a few pieces for myself, even though I brought it to an event, and I've been enjoying just one of those fingers in the morning with a cup of espresso. It is really good with coffee, I have to say. And Darren says, too, to try it with a strong cup of tea, which I can attest is equally (laughs) delicious. Or cold milk. I mean, this is a winner any way you want to serve it. Well done. So let's see. That was caramel banana cake, Prince Harry's favorite, perhaps now our favorite. And thank you again to Chef Darren McGrady and the Royal Chef at Home for having that for us. Well, next up is a recipe that we'll be chatting about but not baking since this is the last week of the Royal Treatment Month. And, of course, we couldn't let this month go by without the the newest royal, of course, Meghan Markle, now a member of the royal family. And Meghan seems to have less of a sweet tooth. Maybe this is down to her California upbringing, the fact that she's an actress. I do not know. But, Andrea, we searched fairly exhaustively for her favorite dessert or sweet, and the closest we could come was a chia seed pudding. Now, I don't necessarily think of that as a dessert. I really don't have any experience making or eating this, but I I do think it's something that you you have made. Can you hypothesize about this a bit? Stefan, you may recall that I like making overnight oatmeal, where you take your old-fashioned rolled oats and you put them in a small mason jar with some coconut milk and perhaps some 
yogurt or some other liquid. You could do orange juice, and then you let it sit overnight, and that's a great way to have oatmeal in the morning. This chia seed pudding reminds me very much of overnight oatmeal. Okay, and is that a normal thing to put with a chia seed, the oats? You've you've found that? Sometimes I do it with the oats, and sometimes I just do chia seeds instead of oats. So chia seeds, in my mind, are used for thickener. I know they have a lot of health benefits as well, but I haven't looked particularly into those. Okay. But, um, for example, for a chia seed pudding, you could just do the chia seeds with the coconut milk, a little bit of vanilla maybe, a little bit of maple syrup, and top it with blueberries and strawberries. But same thing, you let it sit overnight, and those chia seeds will plump up and get nice and thick. I also put them in my smoothies sometimes when I want a smoothie that's a little bit thicker. They have a lot of health benefits, like I mentioned, and I can get them at my local co-op in the bulk section, so they're not hard for me to find. And then this sounds too like you could make a batch of this and then just serve yourself when you wanted it in a single serving type of situation. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You have your little jars. You can make them in little jars. You can make them in big jars, whatever works for you. And I've kept them in the fridge sometimes, I would say, up to a week or so. I mean, they've just got, you know, dairy or non-dairy items, but things that need to stay refrigerated. So you could also make this with almond milk if you don't like coconut milk. I mean, it really is a variation. And you don't have to let it sit overnight. I have um, sometimes made a smoothie with chia seeds, and I've let it sit on the counter and walked away and come back after 30 minutes. It has already thickened. So they really do thicken up quite, quite quickly. Nice. Well, one can only hope that Megan We'll have this wealth of desserts now, the Queen's Biscuit Cake, Prince Harry's Caramel <laughs> Banana. Maybe she'll come over to the sweet side. Who knows? But in the in the resulting time, she'll have her chia seed pudding to, to tempt her. Definitely something they can keep in the fridge for her. It'll be interesting to see if she gets the royal family eating more chia seeds or if the royal family gets her on the <laughs> fruitcake and sugar drain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And so Megan's favorite chia seed pudding, uh, we're still a closely guarded uh, royal secret, but we have a similar recipe uh, from Women's Health UK, the, the women's health magazine here in, in England, who is speculating that it's very close to what, what she must must indulge in. So you can look up there uh, on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, on our Pinterest, on Facebook, all of those places you can find us. Stefan, you and I are always looking for ways to make our time in the kitchen more fun. I think we both appreciate puttering and taking our time when we're baking, but even so, we know it's important to take some steps before we start a recipe and make sure we have all of our ingredients, all of the utensils, all of the gadget at the ready. And this is something that professional chefs do all the time in busy kitchens, and it even has a fancy name, <laughs> mise en place. Wow, very good. <laughs> Thank you. I did take French in seventh grade. Um, <laughs> but home cooks and bakers can use it too. So let's talk about first, what does it mean, mise en place? Right, so it's a fancy French phrase. And doesn't everything just sound better in French as well? Mise en place. It does. (laughs) So it's loosely translated into English as everything in its place or everything to hand. And yes, absolutely, it's been used by professional chefs in professional kitchens for, for years. Obviously, these folks do not have time to scramble around. Where are my tongs? Where's my spatula? And they also don't have the time to realize they've just run out of 
butter. They need everything right there at hand. So of course, not only in a commercial kitchen, but for home bakers, this has a lot of an application as well. And in fact, you could start this process right in your pantry. Yes, I do this already. I have my pantry organized by my baking shelves, my cooking shelves. That's important. So give me some details about how that should be done. Yeah, I do that too. And I do think it makes just gathering those ingredients even easier. So a tip I recently ran across, though, said you can take it one step further by making a kit. So, for example, we make brownies a lot. You could have a brownie kit. I make apple pie a lot. You could have an apple pie kit. Something like this, you're putting the ingredients in a container, in some kind of basket. And, you know, in some instances that this might mean that you have more than one ingredient in in the house, something like... I'm thinking vanilla or cinnamon Mm -hmm. or even sugar. Um, You could buy a large thing at like your cash and carry or Costco and decant that into smaller. You could just shell out and have a few of those ingredients. I think it's still a small price to pay for streamlining that time you're spending in Mm -hmm. the kitchen. I agree. So once your pantry is organized and you have your kits in place, what do you think the next step would be? So true professional chefs, when they're in their kitchen, they really have everything within one step of their space, one step of their body. So you can read through your recipe and pull out all the ingredients that you need, your mixing bowls, your towels, anything you think, and place it right there on your counter. I I see the point of doing that, but I'm getting anxious. It feels to me like that's going to be a lot of clutter <laughs> on your counter. And you know, I do not yeah. like clutter on the yeah. counters. I. I do know. I do know. Nor your one-stop appliance, right? Right. Yes. So (laughs) if you stop there, I think, yes, you know, you're going to be overwhelmed. But if you continue on your Maison Place journey, um, so go ahead, measure out your ingredients, be your own sous chef. So the way I like to think of this is when you're watching a professional chef on TV, you know, in most cases, you're not watching them measuring the flour and cracking the eggs, maybe a few for show. But this is why... Ina Garten, God bless her, can make a cake in like four minutes on TV, but it takes the rest of us, you know, half an hour. Yeah. Uh, but if if you prep it yourself, you are being your own sous chef, your time will be more efficient too. I do think this is a great time saver. I was able to experience this when I went to my friend Wendy's house to make the lemon elderflower cake, and she had done so yes. much of the work ahead of time, and I agree. It, it did make it go so much faster. It's also applicable if you're only able to do a few stages of a recipe at once. For example, if you were making muffins, but you knew you could only start but not finish your recipe, you could measure out all of your dry ingredients, cover them, and then come back later when you're ready, add the wet ingredients, and finish off the recipe. Yes. So I do love this idea from a time-saving perspective. Are there other benefits that you can think of to cooking this way? Yeah, there are. I was very surprised to learn that studies have shown that people who practice mise en place, and not just in the kitchen, mise en place could be used, you know, to organize your getting ready in the morning routine or the way you pack your kids' lunches or or other, other things like this. But folks who practice mise en place are happier, calmer and have more self-respect since they're using their time more efficiently and therefore have more of it for what might matter to them outside of the kitchen. So, you know, they have more time to play with their kids or to spend in the garden or, for you and I, time for more baking. (laughs) I love it. I'm going to go make my peach pie kit right now. Listeners, let us know how you organize your pantry, your kitchen, and if you find that being more organized means that you enjoy your time in the kitchen more. 
Yeah, absolutely. Let us know on our Facebook page. Send us an email, hosts at preheatedpodcast.com, and let us know your tips. Well, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get this episode on to the cooling rack. Next week, we're kicking off the month of June by heading for the freezer section. That's right, with summer just around the corner, it's time for a month of frozen desserts that'll see you through warmer weather in sweet style. You can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and on Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like our show, please tell a friend and consider ranking and reviewing us on Google, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you download our podcast. Until next time, I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.